boys and girls, ladies and gentlemen, cats of all ages. Uh, welcome to episode number 69 Woo! of the Development Health Podcast. So this is, 69. So this is probably going to be the most immature uh, and unprofessional podcast we've done so far, mainly because our guests can't even shut the hell up and we haven't even started. Uh, but yes, uh, it's that time again for quiet guest or else you will not be introduced. Uh, it's that time again. And I know Ed was lamenting. We need to do this more on a regular basis. I don't know. Ed and I, we're just kind of lazy and we like to do our thing. Right. What I want and what I'm willing to do are two different things. Yes. Uh, so I know we only chatted very briefly just to confirm that we were actually going to uh, talk today. So Ed, how's it going with you today? Uh, All right. Let's talk about the sponsors. Our sponsors today are Rove. Uh, well, they're check cleared. So, <laughs> thank you for sponsoring Priscilla. Thank you, especially for, for handling yeah. that. Yep. Yeah, we got that taken care of. Um, so, well, let's think of some nice things to say about them. Uh, uh, here's a nice thing: they used to pay me in in uh, American dollars when I worked for them, and now when I like started my new gig, I mm-hmm. did a, I did the conversion of like the money I was getting to mm-hmm. like. A, a rough, you know, rough Canadian exchange of like twenty five percent. And today, I hear the wonderful news that uh, a U.S. dollar is now going for a dollar forty Canadian. So I've inadvertently taken, uh, I don't know, fifteen percent pay cut or something. So well, that's embarrassing. Yeah, it is embarrassing. But you know, good, good thing I still get paid out, paid a lot, so it's okay. It's a right. mi- minor inconvenience rather than a, a major problem. Right, fifteen percent. Who gives a shit? That that doesn't matter to a baller like you. Sure don't. That's what Rove has. Ballers. That's right. Bring it. Web development PHP experts. You think what? We have the main dev from uh, Doctrine. If you're into ORMs, you got your boy Marco Pavetta. Hook you up. Yeah. Uh, I I don't really like Doctrine, but Pavetta could probably tell me why I want to use it. I keep using it because I keep letting Jeremy, like, Edit the composer file. I shouldn't do that. <laughs> Jeremy keeps. Jeremy just keeps trying to sneak in another another pull request. You're like, Jesus Christ, Jeremy! I told you we're not using Doctrine, and you reject, uh, reject the pull request. That sounds like Jeremy's style. Now we're not even using. We're not using like the database access layer. We're just using like the. Um, we're doing like hydration stuff with it because we're actually connecting to Neo4j with it. And uh, all, uh, in fact, uh, Paved Pavetta Pavetti yes. Marco. Mr. Marco, Mr. Uh, I sent a uh, a video of uh, that he did uh, of a talk that he gave because I was talking about how great his talk was at True North PHP, and then we couldn't because it you know you guys aren't that like sophisticated, so you didn't have a recording of it. But there was uh, a recording of a of I think the same talk at a different, better conference, and uh, I sent that to Jeremy and I said I don't know maybe you'll understand what he's talking about because I don't. And uh, I guess it was really good. I don't know. My CTO understands it, but I just let him do it. Whatever. That's fine. But he doesn't really know a bunch of JavaScript stuff like I do. So I, I'm a fucking, I'm an animal with that stuff. So you know what Rovar animals? They're animals with your PHP stuff. Uh, they do your consulting, your training, your software dev element. Uh, it's just good stuff, you know? And they got those experts like uh, like Marco right there. And he takes care of it. And I don't know. There's still a dog on the front. I thought we had already dealt with that issue. Well, there's pending litigation, so we probably yeah, shouldn't say enough. anything else. 
right? Uh, uh, I, it, there's been uh, donations made. Yeah, and it's, and it's very rare that you can get the sponsor to pay for your own legal bills in a case against them. So it's kind of interesting. It is. It's weird. Yeah. Uh, so ASPCA uh, has received significant donations from Rove. Uh, make up for that. Oh, and uh, I can redeem a consulting code. What does this do? I don't know. I don't know what it does. What do you, what could be anything? What's the code? Who knows? Try That's, typing it, in things. See what happens. Is that the actual code? Who knows? W H O K N O W S. Let me try that. W H O K N O W S. Uh, I'm just gonna say uh, my name is Ed. My email is. C-O-J. Everybody can figure this out. It's like all over. And then I'm going to hit redeem. It just says invalid code. And it doesn't even say it in a different color. Actually, it's kind of weak. I don't know what I'm supposed to be doing here, man. What's the code, Rove? What's the code? What's the frequency, Marco? What's the frequency, Marco? Maybe it's DevHell. That's a good idea. All right, I'm going to try and type it in DevHell. And More unsolicited advice from our guest. Thanks. Yeah, I know, right? <laughs> That's what I'm here for. Shut it. Don't talk until you're introduced. I hit redeem. Yep, didn't work. It's still that fucking dog scaring at me. Whatever, we'll fix All it. All right. Well, I they uh they do stuff. They got hey, you know they're classy. They got an eight five five number, so uh they're good with that. And then our other sponsor is a uh, Windows Network, <laughs> and I think um. That's for like gaming with Doom and stuff. Is that right? I think so. Or oh no, is it? Or is it Windows? Uh, no, is it Linux Windows, Windows managers? I wonder. Because they keep know. pivoting all the time. I mean, I know that uh, Paul's attention has been wavering ever since he got married. So I mean, maybe they're pivoting. Yeah, it could be. So Windows Network, uh, fine uh, Windows networking products. We should ask, we should ask uh, uh, if Paul has a story about like trying to put a Windows box uh, into a co-location facility in Uzbekistan or something. I'm sure he oh, had, yeah. No. He Switch, yeah, no, they switched everything out. It was Linux that would take like 3D pictures of your, your website from South Africa. And now it's Windows boxes. You know why? More nice automation. No, I don't know. Better, better automation? I don't know, man. I, don't I, haven't, know. I haven't done any Windows automation. Uh, no, there's not. It's not. It's not I, I only have Windows on my laptop so I can play Magic Online, and I don't even play that anymore. So that maybe that boot camp partition is just taking up dead space. More like butt camp. Yeah, butt camp. And anyway. All right. Yeah, all right. So thank you very much to our sponsors. Because really, all joking aside, they help uh, make this process a lot easier and compensate Ed for his time when he has to edit all the bullshit, you know, stuff like when our, our guest keeps interrupting before being introduced. It's a lot of work, it's it's a lot work for Ed to, Ed to filter that stuff out. So given that we have a sexual innuendo-numbered episode, I can think of no better person um, to have on the show than Gross. GitHub's representative to the internet. Elizabeth Naramore. Hello, Elizabeth. Hello, hello. All that build up and she just goes, hello, hello. <laughs> I thought you didn't How like screaming. What's up, bitches? Because <laughs> that's what you're I'm trying to ease into it. Trying to yeah, it makes sense. Because that's what you're really like. So I know in the past I have told stories about how, uh, like when I met Liz the first time. How about this time? We talk about, Liz can talk about how she met me for the first time. I have she, no idea. Oh, what do you mean you have no idea? <laughs> I don't remember. Oh my. I don't remember. That breakfast at the <laughs> conference. 
Motherfucker, you remember? What are you talking about? <laughs> I would rather you tell it. No, because I want to hear it from your side. Okay. It's always me talking about it. It should be good. Honestly, I don't. Dude, that was a long time ago. Exactly. I just remember you were very large and I was very terrified. And yeah, that's about it. And then the restraining order and then that got resolved and now everything's fine. Well, yeah. Yada, yada, yada. And now everything's fine. Yes. I even, I even paid to fly you all the way up to Canada to speak at my conference. So that was good. You really did. That was so nice of you. Picked you up. At the, I had an awesome time. Picked you up at the airport. I know. I we felt had, like royalty. We had Ed in the car too. And I kept telling you guys that there was a one topic. I can't remember what it was, but you guys kept coming back to it. And I told you, can you please stop talking about it? It was in a, I think it was something with P. Yeah. Catheters or, or something. And like, we're stuck in traffic. <laughs> we're stuck in traffic and I had to pee. And I'm like, you guys aren't helping. And the drivers, in. <laughs> I like my car. I don't want to piss all over the interior of a BMW. Not intentionally anyway. It is, it is a nice car. Oh, it's a nice I think car. You want to do that. We were talking about um, like those uh, things that, uh, so you don't have to stop when you're driving a long time. You wear like a, it has like a repository yes. around your ankle and then it, it has a catheter, but it doesn't like go up into your urethra. It, um, it has like a, like a cap that goes over your penis. Um, I mean, I don't, so it's kind of just designed for dudes, I guess. And, um, so, and then you don't have to go or you have like the stadium buddy and you use that. Like if you're at a ball game and you don't want to have to use the restroom, you don't want to miss the action. Or you've got the fishing buddy, fisherman's friend, excuse me, uh, which I remember is just an, had it was just sort of like it looked like a one of those half gallons of milk. It just had like mm-hmm, an angled mm-hmm. neck that was more, you know. I was gonna say if your pee looks like milk, I think you got a problem. But I, I misheard what you said. <laughs> uh, maybe. Well, I okay. want to know why we're not using these things all the time. Like, why do we wait for a special occasion to to strap one of those on? Like we yeah, should see, all just be wearing them all the time. I think it should be understood that everyone's carrying around like a quart of urine on them at all times. Right? I don't see why that's a problem. I don't see the big deal. Right? I don't either. I don't I don't you, need a con- you need a concealed carry license, though. Uh, uh, I, I, <laughs> do you have those in Canada? No, because there are no guns up here in Magical Christmas Land, Ed. No guns. I've heard there's a lot of guns. Actually. There are a lot of guns. It's just, just for, those who, for those who for those who keep care, shooting each other. For those who care, basically, it is a, it is uh, extremely difficult for a person to own a handgun, but like rifles and shotguns, yeah, no, pretty much no right. problem. But you still can't beat the good old USA in terms of how many guns you have per person. This is, this is correct. It's I mean, yeah, it's by far by far the most guns uh, are owned by Americans. Some ridiculous percentage of the world's guns are floating around on the streets in the U.S. We need those guns. Yeah, yeah, I bet. Okay, yeah, P device straight up. That's right. <laughs> um, yeah. So anyway. On to that, uh, we better keep moving. I mean, I'm drinking this thing. It's probably going to be going to be need one of my own fisherman friends here in a minute. Um, See, there you go. Yeah, so I think that's what we were talking about. What what was it about breakfast? Apparently, you remember this story, Chris, and I would like to hear it. Just the first time I ever met Liz, I was at uh, PHP Tech, and I think one of the one of the years they weren't at their usual hotel and mm-hmm. I just went down to have breakfast and it was, I was at, went down and um, 
John Coggeshaw was there, yep. and uh, Wes Furlong uh, was there, mm-hmm. uh, and Liz was there, and that was the first time I ever met Liz. Mm-hmm. Cool story. It was a cool story. I miss those guys. Haven't seen them in a while. Yeah, I miss them too. Uh, Wes is deeply embedded into uh, Facebook these days, and I believe Mr. Coggeshaw is still uh, still around. Uh, I know he he. I think last year, maybe the year before, he was uh, making the rounds on the on the uh, talk circuit. Um, popular guy as yeah, always. Yeah. Yes, yes, he was. He's wearing his Google Glass. I remember oh. that. Yeah, that was rough. Yeah. Well, you know, so <laughs> what are you gonna do? In every group, there's a glass hole. That's just how it is sometimes. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. Pretty much. Um, and then after you had breakfast, uh, some guy wouldn't jump your car for you. No, that's not a different one. No, it wasn't. Yes. That's how I met Ed, Liz. I bet you don't know that. My car was dead, and I spoke to Ed, and Ed had jumper cables, but he was just a dick and didn't offer to give my car a boost. I did not. <laughs> I didn't have jumper cables. I can see that. Whatever, man. I'm not sure what the problem is. I just refused to do a favor to you, and uh, you should have accepted that and moved on. Yeah, and your your payback's been, you know, 68 episodes of a podcast. So maybe next time you'll think about your life choices better. <laughs> yeah, that's a good point. <laughs> I'm still being punished today. <laughs> that's, that's right. <laughs> Rejecting me is the gift that keeps on giving. Yep, yep. All right, so enough about us, because we both know how awesome we are. So, let's, so Liz... Why don't you tell the folks who, if they if they don't know who you are, which seems kind of odd, but if they, you know, what do you do? Who are you working for these days? So um, I work for GitHub and I just had my third anniversary there, which is kind of amazing. I haven't gotten fired yet. I can't believe that. Yep. Um, so they still pay me every other week. It's amazing. Um, and I run the patchwork events there, which are casual events for beginners to get in GitHub. And we do them all over the world. And, um, yeah, they're really fun. They're just casual evening events. We hang out with, um, people who show up and we eat food and we drink some beer, sodas, whatever. And they get their first green square on their contribution graph. So it's pretty cool. And yeah, that's pretty much my life as far as work goes anyway. That was good. Exciting, right? And and Liz (laughs) actually used to be a, a programmer, programmerette. And yeah, actually, that's, that's and what actually, we're calling them now. Yeah. And actually, <laughs> a programmerette. And uh, uh, actually, you wrote uh, you wrote a you wrote a PHP book, didn't you? Or contributed to a PHP book, as I remember. I, yeah, I, co- I co-wrote a couple of them. Yeah, yeah. They're they're not good though. Please don't buy them. They're they're terrible. They're awful. And they're very old now. So like, and I still get emails from time to time where people can't get the code to work. Uh-huh. And I'm like, yeah, that book was written in 2004, so it probably isn't going to work. Sorry about your luck, but. Yeah. So that's the other, I don't know if you, Chris, you will probably forever get emails and support requests for people who bought your book and need help with it. Yeah. I actually so just be ready. I do have a really good process for dealing with that. It's called report a spam. <laughs> <laughs> delete. No, not delete. Just report a spam. Works every time. Pretty soon for a specific book, no more messages come through and then it's time. Oh, well, I guess that book's run its course and I, and I write a new one. Um, but so I guess you don't like money because I would be telling people buy buy all the copies that you can of that book because it's like a collector's item. Oh yeah, no. It, well, they can buy it if as long as they don't use it. I would you, feel and you terrible. Out, and you haven't earned out that advance yet either, so people got to buy that book. 
That's right. You're never going to get past that advance. Yeah. Okay. So, uh, (laughs) so as part of your work at uh, GitHub, I uh, I know you uh, spent a lot of time. You've spent a lot of time thinking about communities, uh, about open source stuff. So that was kind of the main reason why I wanted you to come up to uh, the uh, not even cold at all. Great White North. When you came up, it's like we're still not even going to get any snow for Christmas. It's it's ridiculous. It's awesome. Um, the whole talk, you melt. did a talk about yeah. Well, it's we haven't even had a day where it's been below zero, like below freezing. Sorry, yeah. uh, metric zero. Sorry, not to confuse people. <laughs> haven't had a day below thirty two yet. Um, and so, <laughs> so <laughs> that was a good accent. That's real good. That was real good. Hoping we could take care of this in Fargo. Anyway. Um, <laughs> Or in Brainerd, wherever, wherever poor old Steve Buscemi was when he witnessed the cop get shot in the top of the head. But uh, so we, you uh, uh, talk about the psychology of open source. Sorry, I need a drink too. You know, Ed's not the only one who needs alcohol to do this podcast. You hear that? The bottle it's hitting my ring. <laughs> wow, you hold it that low, Ed? Yeah. <laughs> no, I'm talking about my finger ring. Oh, not the not the cock ring. All right. Yeah. So. Oh, like as if Liz is shocked. I like her her false <laughs> false laughter. I bet yeah, right. she's clutching at some pearls too while she's laughing. No, I am. Oh, cockroaches! Oh. All right, so yeah. Jesus. <laughs> oh boy, uh, you, you walked into a really good joke there, but I'm not going to do it. Oh uh, come on! <laughs> we'll, we'll wait for the after show. Thank you. We'll to rehash that one. So uh, yes, the so you came out and give a talk entitled "The Psychology of Open Source." So why don't you talk a bit about uh, explain like where the idea for the talk came from and kind of a summary for folks. And we'll throw some links into it. I know that Ed's already tracked down the slides and uh, do you know if there's any recordings of that talk online anywhere? I don't think there is, I guess it would be you guys that would have posted <laughs> it. So I guess not. We, didn't record anything. <laughs> we tried that once. Yeah, no, just, I don't think anybody. it was a pain in the ass to get our talks recorded at the conference. Fuck that shit. So, uh, yeah. So talk about kind of like how, you know, the idea for the talk, uh, uh, came about and, and, you know, kind of, uh, uh, a too long, don't care summary for people to, to hear. <laughs> okay. Really quick. Uh, so I did a, a keynote at a conference called that conference up in, uh, Wisconsin Dells. Wisconsin. It was. It's an awesome conference. If anyone has been thinking about going to that, you should completely go. It's a really great conference. But anyway, I did a, a keynote there, and I um, the topic was called "Ripples on the Pond," and it was basically around um, how just small uh, actions and words that you give to people can make a really big difference. So, like every little thing that you do. Um, just, you know, grows and, and that's how the community kind of builds. It's, you don't have to be this, you know, great, like loud vocal person. You can just help the people who are around you directly. That will make huge ripples in the community, whether you know it or not. <clears throat> so the, the talk was about that. And there was a, I, I talked about some of that in this talk that I did for, for True North. I just took like a little piece of that and I added on to it a lot and expanded on that one little piece of, basically how we interact with each other. And and the whole point of the talk was to just kind of explain why it's so hard to to do this online, um, because we have different levels of, of abstractions of, of the way that we communicate and the kind of the, the 
how fucked up we are in our brains. So like there's that individual level. And I talk about a lot of the biases that we have individually. And then we're, we're working in groups. So there's a lot of like social dynamic issues at play, um, how we interact with each other, where we fit into the group, how the group changes, those kinds of things. And then we're trying to do it. We're trying to like actually make up something like productive. So it's not just like we're in this social group where we're hanging out, but we're, you know, on, on in open source, we're trying to come together for a common cause and a common purpose. So that kind of comes with its own set of weirdness, like who, how do you prioritize things and how do you, uh, how do you interact so that something can actually be accomplished? And then you take all of those things and then you put it all online where communication is even more difficult because there's, you know, things like body language that you can't see and the, like the way that we interact with each other online is much harsher in general than we do in person. So um, the talk, I just wanted to kind of explain and demystify some of the behaviors that you might see in open source, like why we can be such assholes to each other and we don't really mean it, but uh, we can be and we don't realize it. So I kind of just was hoping that by the end of the talk, people would just be more willing to not only give give each other a break a little bit, but to also just be a little more aware of of the way that they sound and the reasons behind the way that they're behaving. So awareness and like forgiveness are kind of the reasons that I wanted to uh, I wanted to talk about it. So I don't know. But I really appreciate you giving me the opportunity to do that because um, it's not a tech talk at all. And it's, it's just a great, fun talk to give. I love to give that talk. It was the first time I've given it, given it, as, it as it stands. So, um, yeah, it was a good talk. You know, it's interesting you talk about how it's not really a, um, a tech talk. I mean, I, I do believe, <laughs> excuse me, I do believe that uh, uh, having non-tech talks is actually uh, very valuable at a conference. But uh, I find a lot of kind of, I mean, I don't think soft talk, soft talks is the correct label, but like non-tech talk, I find a lot of them are kind of covering things that uh, I, I kind of consider obvious. Uh, oftentimes like talks about like basically telling people how to behave and, and things like that. It's like those things kind of seem obvious. But what you talked about, I mean, I did manage to listen to a big uh, chunk of the talk, which is something that I almost never get to do when I'm running my conference, uh, cause I'm just too busy trying to make sure everybody else is being taken care of. Uh, and I just thought, uh, I thought you brought up a lot of things that were not obvious to people. And, uh, as I can only speak for myself as a conference organizer that, uh, I, I like talks that are not obvious. What? Whoa. What happened there? Did we lose somebody? I don't know. Yeah. You lost me, but I'm back. Oh, okay. Oh, hey, good. You're back. Well, yeah. Answer his question, damn it. So I missed completely what you just said. <laughs> okay, I'll go. Any idea what you said? All right, I'll go back and rehash it because you were kind of faint because I saw you on Skype flickering a little bit. What I said is that uh, as a conference organizer, I like to have non-tech talks, and I was talking about people like apply like the soft label to them, and I don't think that's mm-hmm. actually the correct label. But what I do find is that a lot of the non-tech talks that I see added at conferences are really covering things to me that appear obvious. Uh, stuff like about how to behave, how to be professional. Those are all things that like when you've worked with a group of people for more than like, I don't know, a week um, should be pretty obvious. Uh, I like talks where the topic is not obvious and your talk about like, you know, group behavior and, and interactions with people. I felt it was <clears throat> uh, a not obvious thing and therefore lots of value in telling people about these things. So what he's saying is that because he didn't know it before, then it was worth hearing. No, that's or, not what that's, no, that's not what it, that's, <laughs> that's all I need. That's fine. Because <laughs> Chris knows a lot. So And it's, it's fucking if he knows it, it's fucking obvious. 
<laughs> Zing. Yeah, organize your own damn conference, Ed. You'll find out. Yeah, okay. When you do I'm, crazy, when you do crazy do conf down in Pawnee, you'll find out. Cray conf. Cray cray. Well, that brought the thing to a halt. Actually, um, not to uh, not to to delve into my talk a little, but that's actually um, what you just de- demonstrated right there is the illusion of transparency. Just to throw that in there, you should know when we overestimate. Yeah, well, we overestimate uh, what is in our head. We we think that everybody knows what we know. And oh, we so that, so uh, so not acting like an asshole towards your coworkers is some uh, magical thing that nobody knows how to do. <laughs> Apparently not. No, but you, you're apparently so you're acting in a <laughs> in a logical logical way, and other people are going to like think, "God, that guy's an asshole." But you're like, well, "I'm just telling it how it is," and like, there's nothing wrong with that. So it's not as easy as it seems because people are hard. Yeah, I think that that's kind of the thing. Is that it? it I think it is harder. Than, than we than you realize. I think it's maybe not as hard for you, but it's hard for uh, for a lot of other people, you know, to do things and uh, to do certain kinds of things. And uh, and a lot of times, that's how do you socially interact with people? It's how do you empathize empathize with people? Um, you know, to and 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 I think that stuff is that. I think that's one of the reasons I found it so interesting was because I think that I think that talk underlined a lot of the reasons for why we do the things that we do and why we see the same kinds of patterns uh, occurring in so many groups. And so I really liked the talk and that was like my main big motivation for getting on here. Well, you're welcome. Uh, Because I just really enjoyed it. And um, because it was straight up my alley dog. I do have yeah. another talk that I did not give in, uh, obviously, at True North, but um, it's called Dealing with Difficult People. And in that talk, I talk a lot about um, communication styles and how I'm a very, just for and as, as an example, like I'm a very fluffy kind of person. So I care about people. And when I interact with you, I want you to, you know, I want to know how you're doing as a person. Like I care. I, I want to know how your family is. I want to know what you did over the weekend. Like I really care about that stuff. But some people just want to get right down to it like they don't give a shit they just need to get get things moving like they're much more direct in their communication so when we when I interact with someone like that it's better if I kind of tone my own fluffiness down a little and just kind of try and communicate more on theirs in their style in their language so that I don't annoy them and piss them off but like to me, I'm acting like a normal human being because I think, well, you know, people should care about their coworkers. Like they should, mm-hmm. you know, actually take the time to, um, to you know, find out more about them. Like they should care. So, um, but but then if you know someone's direct, they're like, God, this person, just say what you're going to say. You don't have to go through all that shit. I just want to hear what you have to say. So, um, so there's a little bit of give and take on both sides. So when you talk about acting like an asshole, like for me, someone like me who's kind of fluffy someone who's very direct, I could easily say, well, God, that person is such a dickhead because they don't even give a shit about me as a person. All they want to do is just do this work. Like that sucks. Like that's, you know, I, obviously that's why we're here, but also we're human beings. We should be communicating on a deeper level. So anyway, I'm rambling, but um, that's, that's kind of a, a piece I brought out in that talk where it's just communication style. So you're right. Nothing is super, super obvious. And and you uh you ended up doing this talk as sort of a Trojan horse to throw Chris under the bus on this podcast, right? Basically, that's that's the whole reason that right. I, I did it. Right. <laughs> I that's love you, Chris. 
he left. I don't know. I don't know. I, I don't know well, if he's, what we're going to do. I don't blame him. I would leave too. Yeah. <laughs> it was really. Probably got it muted. Just waiting. I'm angry. <laughs> That's fine. That's fine. That's cool. You know, I mean, it was, what are you going to do? Well, I don't want to blow the mic levels screaming. <laughs> I hate, I hate to, I, I really don't like using the saying the phrase, I want to rephrase what I said, but I think I need to do that here. I think my point was that a lot of what I see as, as softer talks are covering things. Maybe obvious is, isn't the correct word, just things that are, Self-evident things that happen. A lot of the talks I talk about are, uh, see that I look at go well. That seems very self-evident. I'm talking about as groups and working in groups and professional development and things like that. And I'm like, a lot of those things appear that you would it would be almost impossible to avoid encountering those topics unless you only ever worked for yourself and never interacted with another uh, human as you did your work. That's kind of the thing that I'm looking at. I mean, I like non-technical talks. I like them a lot. And I tr- and I like to listen to non-technical talks that are about lo- approaching things from a very different angle and, and summarizing findings and building on those things. Just so many soft talks that I see, and no, I'm not going to name any names of some of the talks. I just look at them and think that what's being spoken here I don't think is providing a ton of value to the people that are listening. I'm sure there's technical talks like that too. Oh yeah, sure. Go silent at the other end. That's okay. You um, paint yourself into a corner, buddy. I don't, I don't, I don't care. I'm only doing tr- I'm only doing True North one more time, so it doesn't matter. So okay. um, yeah, we're only doing it one. Well, more I feel time. I feel like Chris, what you have been saying is is actually a compliment to me. So thank you very much for saying that. I will just go from there. Because your talk was awesome. Like I almost never get to watch one, so I was very happy that I got to watch a big chunk of it. So because I mean, okay. clearly to be a, to level up as a developer. There is way more to the job than just developing a good technical skill set. You also need the good social skill set to communicate with your peers and <laughs> advance ideas, resolve conflicts, and just basically, you know, because uh, uh, the I have found as I advance in my own career, there's a lot less coding and a lot more interacting with people. And uh, uh, if you don't learn how to interact with people, then you are only going to go so far um, in your career. And I'm, and I'm sure for many, many people, um, that is a source of frustration. It's like the old joke that, you know, if, if you got into software to avoid, got into programming to avoid having to work with people, um, you are in for a big surprise. That old there's a really cool Medium article. I think it was on Medium about the being polite. Did you guys see that? Yes, yes. No. I love that article. It was so well written and so interesting. Did you, you didn't see it, Ed? No, nah, I don't care about that shit. <laughs> it was really cool. I will find the link somewhere and send it to you. Put it in the notes. Um, it was just this guy, and he he like made his whole life like just focused his life on just being polite. Like that's all he wanted to accomplish right. was just to be polite and just like the, the social, it was almost like a social experiment, I guess. And the, the results from that were, were really interesting, fascinating. So I won't spoil it, but go find that article. I'll, I'll send the link to you guys, put it in the notes. It's a really great article and just and the, I, the and value of just being polite. Yeah. And I found another similar one where, uh, where a woman talked about how she had been, uh, everyone told her how nice she was. 
and how she ran into a person at her high school reunion who recounted an, uh, recounted an event, said, do you remember when, I don't want to spoil it either in case people find but it was basically like, do you remember when event X happened? And the person's like, no. And then the other person go, well, such and such happened. And then all of a sudden the woman realized, oh my God, yes, I do remember it. And kind of the, the too long don't care summary is that uh, the person thought that being nice mattered more than uh, being caring towards other others, and like mm-hmm. they, 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 uh, under the guise of being nice, it allowed them to avoid having to like deal with difficult situations, difficult people, uh, and just basically, she realized afterwards that it would have been far nicer to be kind towards others than nice. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So it's yeah, sim- and there's there's a subtle distinction, yeah, there, similar yeah. type of thing, yeah. But so yeah. People don't get me wrong. I like soft talks, but I look at them and, and oftentimes I feel like uh, this is an interesting topic that just wasn't delivered properly. It look, guys, he's operating on a whole other fucking level. That's right. You can only <laughs> aspire to be on the four days a week, 32 hour level like I am. This, this string theory really shit, also, this is obvious. That's right. Right. I'm really fascinated too by the science behind this stuff. So like there's in those, in those slides, there's links to a ton of like research that has been done. Like, I think that's, that's what is more interesting to me is the actual research. Um, it's like, I don't know. I think maybe that's what I did in a, in a second life or a past life or something. No, here I comes the hippie uh, shit. as a behavioral research scientist or something i don't know i read that Mm. shit in my spare time like that's not normal i don't think (laughs) i don't think people do that (laughs) i do liz liz is learning to become a puppet master that's what it is yes how to to manipulate people yeah yeah you managed (laughs) to manipulate your way onto this podcast all right next next thing i think we've talked enough about our guests it's time for us to talk about what we really want to talk about stop it so uh, marketing your crap is what's in our uh, list here. So this came up because uh, uh, when Ed and I were talking about some stuff and he said he wanted to talk about his experiences uh, with the OSMI uh, clothing drive uh, to get yeah, the clothing T-shirts drive. and limited edition hoodies where that fucker won't send me one. And uh, you were uh, I would told you. Shut repeatedly. up, man. Go ahead. Go, don't let the truth ruin a good story. You right. always do this to me, Ed. Uh, but just, yeah, Ed wanted to, you know, kind of go, because, I mean, both of us now uh, have experiences with basically trying to market your ideas and um, uh, and taking different approaches. For me, uh, the the approach I learned is the one that I learned through Amy Hoy's uh, awesome 30 by 500 course with the idea of, you know, you uh, – uh, you pick a topic, you find out uh, what's causing people grief about that topic, and then you craft your marketing messages in a way that you are presenting yourself um, as having a solution to their problem. And that's how you guarantee that, you know, the effort that you've put into creating this product that you're actually going to make money. Because again, with our, our very weird uh, startup-centric uh, tech culture, uh, so many people create things without even knowing if anyone other than them gives a shit about it. And that leads to uh, lots of like frustration um, and wasted effort. Uh, and just basically a, a general sense uh, that I think it just con- ke- continually contributes to the idea that starting your own business or creating your own thing uh, is inherently risky when uh, with uh, just a t- 
tiny bit of work, it's not risky at all. Uh, so that's, but that's an approach for um, when you're trying to sell info products to people. In Ed's case, Ed's case was, uh, you know, basically trying to provide, uh, I think the best way, and you can correct me if I'm wrong, Ed, I, I would describe it as a reward for people contributing to promote an idea. I'd say so. I mean, I guess the difference is that, you you know, you sell info products and, you know, I'm saving lives. But um, the, the main, uh, I think, the other idea is that, yeah, that it gives people an opportunity to support, um, you know, really an idea or a, 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 a concept they believe in that they feel like pe- more people should hear about. Um, so... It's not, and and they get the thing that they're getting out of it is kind of peripheral. You know, they're getting this, say, a shirt. Uh, in this case, what we did was we had, uh, um, like a limited run, uh, that this company, uh, Cotton Bureau does. So, what they do is designers submit designs to them. And they say, I'd like it to be on this T-shirt or something like that. And they, So they do up something that's like, we get a little feel for what it's going to look like. You submit it. Then Cotton Bureau has to approve it first. And then they put it on their website. And they say, okay, start pre-ordering it. Like, people can pre-order then. And if they get 12 pre-orders, they will make the shirt. And if they don't get 12 pre-orders, they will not make the shirt. Right? And... uh and then at 24, you start getting money per shirt. And it's at 24, and you get you get for all of those 24 you sold. And the reason why, but it waits till 24 is because the price drops a lot. Because when you do a run of 24, it's quite a bit less expensive than if you do a run of 12. Um, and then for every additional 12 that you sell, it lowers the margin or excuse me, it increases the margin. Actually, it lowers the the cost of production. So you get a little bit more, like an extra dollar per shirt or something like that, right? So they, uh, I submitted this design to them, and they were like, oh, this seems cool. So they seemed to be into it. And I said, okay, well, I wanted a T-shirt design, but I wanted one in a women's sizes because a bunch of people complained about that the first time and ruined my life. And then... Um, they were like, well, yeah, we could also do hoodies and this long sleeve jersey. And I was like, that's ah, fine, whatever, I don't care. And so, because, uh, you know, hoodies, whatever. But they, uh, the, the key thing was I wanted to give people another opportunity to give some money and get a shirt that would sort of advertise stuff, uh, advertise the idea the uh, campaign that I'm doing, the open sourcing mental illness campaign. And uh, cause a lot of people would ask about shirts and I'd say, yeah, well we could do this, but we're, we kind of, if we finished that run that we did initially with the, as the rewards for the donations for the perks for that, uh, for the Indiegogo campaign. So I wanted to try a different thing that kind of gave, it gave a significantly lower price point for people to get just to just get the, get the shirt. The, the, of course, the thing is that it also means that, you know, I was getting way less money because it was $75 and you get a shirt at the Indiegogo campaign. And in this case, I think the shirts were like 25 or $28, something like that. So, uh, and I would see like $8 of that, I think something along those lines. 
And so it's significantly less, but it was a, I kind of wanted to try it. And um, I think what was interesting about it was that it reminded me in some ways, because it reminded me a little bit of doing the Indiegogo campaign in that um, like a lot of these fundraising campaigns, uh, there is a source, you source, it starts off kind of excited. And the, the thing, oh, the other thing that I should, I should explain about this is that there's a limited time in which you can order the shirts, like two weeks, I think maybe it was, I think. And so during that period, you can order the shirts, but that's the only time you can order the shirts. Once that's over, it is over and that cuts off and that's it. As Chris, you discovered, unfortunately, even though I mentioned it like a dozen times, uh, that, I do not have any of those shirts, so you had to buy them. And if you didn't order one, then that's it. They're gone. So uh, the thing that I found that was similar, because I, I think because of the time restriction on it, about when it would start, when it would end, and you had to do put the orders in at this time, it was a little bit like one of, the, like one of these uh, Indiegogo campaign or other kinds of fundraiser, like time-limited fundraisers, in that, Initially, you have orders, and then sort of leading up to the end, you have orders. But there's sort of a middle sort of valley. But, and so I think that's natural, but I think one of the things that I realized, though, is that you can't just put it out there and, like, maybe mention it once or twice, like, post once on Twitter and once on Facebook uh, and assume that then people are just going to figure it out. What I found strongly was that um, two things. One, people respond, people will, you, you think like, well, I posted it, so everybody who follows me is going to see it. Total lie, not going to happen. Uh, lots of people, well, we know that Facebook has things where it's like stuff just doesn't show up in their feed, like the other person's feed because of the way their algorithms work. So you can post something and it may or may not actually other people who are friends with you may not actually see it unless they've said like, this is some super friend of mine. And then I want to see everything they post. Um, they have to go spe do special effort for that. Um, and uh, on, on Twitter, I think people just miss stuff because it's, there's so much going past that I think, well, they're not paying attention at that time or the, it's just, you know, there's a bunch of stuff there and they just miss it. And it's not highlighted necessarily. So there's a few things that I did. Um, one thing was I just posted a lot about it. Like I would post in the morning and I would post in the afternoon and I would post like maybe two or three things for each of those times if I wanted to keep pushing it. And so, you know, especially when it first breaks, you kind of you do a lot of stuff with it. You're like, hey, this is really exciting. Look at this. We're doing this stuff. This is a big deal. It's all, you know, and and a key thing is that you put a picture with it because you have to put a picture with it because people respond much more to having pictures on stuff. And if it's just text, they don't do it. That's just and that's like a social media. Everybody knows that who who like does social media campaigns. But that's just the thing is you just put a picture with everything. So that's why like every newspaper feed that you ever watch or read, they put pictures with every single fucking thing. Even if it's like a stupid picture, people click on that more and they just, they just always do. And then, um, 
So and so initially I did a lot and then it's kind of like, well, you're sort of in the bare months where it's like, well, there's a little less to be excited about when you're in that sort of like middle period. But so it's less exciting. But as you start getting towards the end, you start to kind of ramp that up again and people kind of get caught up. It's easy to sort of like um, get people excited again, especially if it's time limited. Like you can say there's only an hour left to order. That's it. You've got an hour. This is how many we did. Can we get to this number? And it's total. The thing is what I had to let go of like this. It has been a process. I had to let go of me naturally not liking to hype stuff up and feeling like that was kind of lame and be feeling uncomfortable with that. Um, and it's it, my tendency is to not trust things that are kind of hyped up and excitable and stuff like that. So I'm the kind of person, like if you ask me to write something about like, say a program I made, like if you said you write something that's like PR style, it's like talks about how awesome it is. Like I remember writing about when I worked on spaz, the Twitter client, and it would just be spaz is a microblogging client that offers the following features and it would be like 10 bullet points. Thank you for trying it. Like that is, that's like my PR copy, right? Um, I would be very, very straightforward. There's nothing exciting about it. And I still wouldn't say I'm all that great about it, but there's at least things that I feel strongly about. It's easier to get excited about. And I, and I think the other thing is I've sort of like allowed myself to not be as self-conscious about, I mean, really, I don't want to get hyped up about stuff and excited about stuff because I'm kind of embarrassed of being that way, of kind of looking foolish, I think. And I think I'm allowing myself more lately to say, like, to be excited about stuff and to feel strongly about things and to feel like that's a positive thing. So that and I think that when you use that um, to spread the word about something that you're doing and you use that enthusiasm and that enthusiasm comes through in the, what you write and in the pictures that you post and the things you say and all that stuff, I think it comes through. So, uh, thankfully, as far as I could tell, nobody got super annoyed with like me posting about it, you know, at least they didn't say it to me. Um, and it seemed to pay off, but like the last couple like days, I posted a ton about it. Like I didn't post like once or twice a day. I posted like 12 or 15 times a day. And as thing keep, you know, as, as the numbers keep going up, you keep kind of talking about it like an MC at a, you know, a Jerry Lewis telethon. Right. And you keep pushing that stuff and pushing, keeping people excited. It's like, man, this is awesome. We're so close to doing this. If we get three more, we're going to do it. And we only have half an hour left. And this is, you know, and it, it, it works. So we ended up selling, which I think was a pretty high number relatively for this thing. I think we sold over 50, um, I guess garments. Cause we had both t-shirts and the hoodies and the jerseys, uh, the long sleeves. And, um, and I think that was a pretty high number compared to what they usually do. Uh, so I thought that was really, really awesome. And it did well, and it's going to make some money. Uh, for the campaign and uh, but I you know it was just being okay to be excited about it and to talk about it and to have fun with it too and I think people I think that pays off I think people respect that and uh, they can get excited about it too and that's cool so that was kind of my experience and maybe this was you know 
and maybe this is kind of obvious to people who've done marketing for their own stuff before and that this enthusiasm pays off and things like that. But to me, it was kind of new. Like it was a new experience for me to go through that. And, um, and I think it took something that I could feel like I didn't have to be, that I felt strongly enough about that. I wouldn't feel self-conscious about like promoting myself and promoting my stuff. It kind of took something that I felt like I felt was important enough and strong enough for me to do that. But um, I feel like I learned a lot about how to encourage other people to be excited about it, not to manipulate them, but to, you know, they, they could just ignore me if they think it's fucking stupid or something. I mean, but, um, but to, uh, you know, feed into what they feel about it too, about, you know, their excitement about these things and they're feeling strongly about it too. And to kind of trigger those things. So uh, I feel weird because I feel like I'm not doing a good explanation that says that I'm not just manipulating people into doing stuff, but I guess that's kind of what you do with marketing. You at least suggest that they do things. And yeah, that's exactly what, that's exactly what it is. I mean, but you're manipulating people to promote uh, an emotional reaction. And now there's, there's of course there's good marketing and there's bad marketing and Sorry, because I just shotgun my dark and stormy, so I may cough in a minute. And um, uh, <laughs> yeah, there it comes. And uh, like I said, the the marketing goals were were slightly different, right? Mine is to encourage. Uh, yours was like a limited time frame, right? Mm-hmm. Your marketing right. say if you like the things I've been doing, I'm making these shirts and these hoodies, and if you buy them, if we sell enough of them, then uh, a, you know, a portion of the proceeds goes to help out the whole uh, OSMI efforts, and so that's very different from me looking around and saying, "Oh, you're having a problem," for example, figuring how to use PHP unit. Mm-hmm. Are, are you? And then the market. My marketing messages become, oh, you know, using PHP unit doesn't have to be tough. If you're struggling, check this out. I wrote a book that covers all the basics that you're ne- going to need to do. Uh, you know, check the book out because it will, you know, it'll help. It'll help you uh, use PHP unit uh, effectively, right? right? So, very different uh, messages, but some of the principles are are kind of the same. So it, for me, it was kind of interesting. Uh, you know, despite what Ed thinks, I was paying attention um, <laughs> to, to the drive, and I realized too late uh, that as I was wrapped up uh, as usual in my own shit, uh, I uh, missed the deadline. It's very rare that I miss the deadline for something that I that I really want to do because, as as Mister Time Management guy, I put reminders to myself in my calendar all the time about stuff. Um, even things as simple as, uh, you know, a reminder to me to email somebody the next day about a particular topic. I, I even get down to that level. So. Right. Uh, otherwise I would forget everything. So I just asked Ed in the hopes that there was like one or two still laying around. Maybe the, probably the next time I'm sure this will not be a one-time deal. I'm sure Ed will offer this, uh, once the, the logo uh, gets updated, um, he'll offer some new hoodies, but, and shirts and stuff. Cause, uh, Ed very generously gave me a shirt, um, that I got from him when I was at true North PHP. And oddly enough, when I was in, um, Orlando, um, last week, and we're going to talk about that as another point later because we have something else to talk about um uh, i had lots of people asking me like about the shirt and what did it mean and, and the whole thing and so mm-hmm. um you know uh, they all laughed at you and like, uh, yeah pretty how much do you all, open source mental illness yeah i'm like you know what does uh, you know i retort what does what does mozilla know about open source and you know the argument went on from there i don't know though those shirts are the most comfortable shirts that i think i own of this all of my too. shirts yeah i've noticed that they're awesome yeah, i love that shirt 
that shirt and then the one I have from uh, from Code Climate that I got from um, Beth Tucker Long. Uh, the material is like a tri blend, right? It's like cotton, poly, and, and rayon or something. Anyway, it's a poly- angel angel dust. Yeah, you know, it's too close to a flame, and you're going to get high. And uh, <laughs> they just they just chasing feel. the dragon. Uh, yeah, they, yeah. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> so soft though. God, I love it. I want to wear that shirt every single day. Is that weird? Yes. No, go yeah. for it. <laughs> Just, I mean, try to go outside when you do, but yeah, it's fine. Now I, now I have a nice image of Liz wearing that shirt. So um, that's creepy. Anyway, uh, so yeah. It's really upsetting. upsetting. <laughs> Why did you say that? <laughs> Why is that creepy that I have this shirt on? No, it's it's him. <laughs> not it's you, it's him. Creepy, not you. <laughs> God, keep up with the conversation, Liz. Just whatever, whatever that I'm material. old. I'm sorry. <laughs> Save it for after. And uh, um, whatever material. Yeah, it's it's really nice and feels really good against my old uh, leathery skin. <laughs> you and Chuck Yeager. That's right. Except he broke the sound barrier, and I haven't done yeah. anything. What did you do? Not that exciting. I just I just wrote a bunch of books and convinced people to only let me work four days a week. So I don't know. Oh, basically, well, you're an elephant. You do have that leathery skin. You're, yeah, breaking the. Good set. at magic. <laughs> I, I am not good at magic. Uh, yeah, no. Anyway, I'm I'm good at buying magic cards. That's about it. <laughs> well, that's something. Uh, no, on someone just saying, does the logo be, need to be updated? It's like, no, it doesn't need to be updated, but that logo is not the first one. Stronger than fear. That's not the first version of the logo um, that Ed has ever done. So I imagine at some point for the next campaign, Ed will get another logo done up, and that's another merchandising opportunity. And then I will pay attention and make sure that I get a hoodie. That's all. No, we're sticking oh, good, with this Oh, good, because I was confused by that, too. I'm glad that someone asked that on IRC. This is what I get for shotgunning a drink. No one's following my logic. Any- no one's following my logic anymore. I'm not changing the logo. I paid good money for that logo. I was gonna. I love that logo. I, I was paid. Say, man. I paid good other people's money for that logo. <laughs> we got yeah, to pay. We got to learn about this. Is like this is like baseball teams and like third jerseys and alternate jerseys. You have to keep offering subtle variations on the yeah, existing, right. on the existing logo. You can do them in a different. One. Next time you can do the camouflage shirt. You know, for Memorial Day. You know, it's a, you, you got to think outside the box a little bit with your marketing efforts now. I'm. I barely can stand up in the box. Uh, but yeah, Jerry Cody was the designer of that logo. And uh, Good job, Jerry. Yeah, Jerry did a great job. Uh, and uh, she's married to my friend Simon Collison, who I got but friends with both of them, and they're both designers. And uh, uh, But uh, I just said, I, I sent Jerry a couple um like Nitz or Ebb album covers and said, I want something that kind of looks like this. <laughs> and that's what she came up with. So, yeah, I'm going to have to put Nitz or Ebb in the uh, show notes. Special thanks. That's right. Nitz or Ebb. No, yeah. Nobody knows. You guys don't even know what I'm talking about. I know Nitz or Ebb. Yeah. Liz doesn't. She probably listens to the fucking. I do uh, not. No. McLaughlin or something. You still, you still, hide, <laughs> you still hide that tattoo on your foot from your parents, Liz, or do they know now? 
No, they they saw it because my dad just did a pop in one day. Do your parents? Oh, I don't know if they live near you, but my parents live near me, and my dad did a pop in unannounced, and I was barefoot, and my cover was blown. So yeah, and I have a huge one on my back too that I hid from them for a, a pretty long time, but they eventually saw that one too. So now I'm I'm the black sheep. I've never seen that one. It's pretty cool. No, it's pretty big. I'm probably going to get more. I don't know. I didn't get my first one until I think I was like 38 or 39 when I, I got remember. my first one. So yeah, I kind of think all I you kids, remember. that's just not too late. Yeah, I got my, I got my first tattoo at at 43, so it's it's never too late. Never too late. Never too late. And I'm oh, gonna get in the new year. I'm getting the I'm, in, in January. I'm getting the other one done that matches the hammer of Thor on my right arm. I'm getting the Odin's Raven on the left arm. So I'm excited to get that done. Nice. Odin's Raven. And then and then once this podcast is over, I'll have a teardrop. Mm-hmm. <laughs> oh, we could all get matching ones. I'll get one with you. No, you don't understand. The teardrop is for killing somebody. Anyway, never mind. Well, I know, but we can all kill people is what I'm saying. And then get our, our ceremonial teardrops together. I mean, that's the second time that killing people in prison has come up today. <laughs> hmm. All right. Well, well, thank goodness no one's recording this, so it's it's just our word against theirs. Well, when, 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 both, when both Ed and I drink during the podcast, things get pretty dark pretty quickly. <laughs> I guess so. Do you guys need a hug? Aww. I got a strict no hug policy. <laughs> I hug you. Shh, shh, don't, I shh, don't tell anybody. All right. Chill on it. Blow my blow. chill woman. You're gonna you're gonna kill my brand. Don't do it. Okay. All right. So <laughs> oh, yeah, yes, uh, yes. As everyone knows, I'm not really a grumpy in person. Only when you make fun of me on podcasts or on IRC. All right. So uh, so Ed continues to uh, rip people off for money and speak at uh, mm-hmm. speak at conferences, but he also. You've done some speaking um, at companies because I notice every once in a while um, you'll tweet something about how you hate uh, airports, and that's how I always know that you're traveling right. and and not right. at home. So you've been speaking at companies. So tell tell us a bit more uh, about uh, what you've been doing there. Well, I didn't speak at any until like two weeks ago. So and then I spoke at two like in, in the course of a week. Um, I went out to Pittsburgh, um, and I. Th- I'm pretty sure it's okay for me to say that I spoke at um, this company. Pretty sure it's okay to speak at, uh, say that I spoke at a company branding brand, which is a weird name, but they are very successful. So let's not make too much fun of them. Um, They are. (laughs) That doesn't mean they should probably be made more fun of because they've been successful. Um, So you're saying they're successful despite the ridiculous company name? Yeah, I yeah. Apparently, Uh, and they were brand GitHub. I mean, there's dumb names everywhere, and somehow the companies (laughs) continue to make money. And they were all super nice. Thanks. (laughs) (laughs) Github. That's what my parents thought it was at first. (laughs) (laughs) I'm like, oh, I love you guys. Oh, to be so free of technology. Yeah, it must be. Anyway, go ahead. Continue. Sorry. That's okay. Uh, well, they had reached out to me a few weeks ago and uh, to talk about, um, to basically give my talk out there. And uh, so I flew out to their offices are out in Pittsburgh. And uh, it's actually the first time I've been to Pittsburgh in a very long time. And um, uh was pretty cool. It was nice. I would kind of wish I could have spent more time with them. They were really great people. And uh, it was a good time. Uh, and I think it was... Um, 
something that uh, I think you're seeing with more companies who are taking an interest in this kind of stuff. And then, so did you? So you basically did the stronger than fear talk, or did you like yeah. a, a mod? You didn't. Okay, sure. I pretty much just did that talk because I was just wondering if, like, you know, when you think about doing the the, and I'm air quoting at corporate talks, if you kind of modify the message a little bit, or I mean, I guess maybe the point is they want you to come and give basically the same talk. Yeah, I mean that was the idea. I didn't. I, I mean, you you on the fly talk maybe you know, go a little bit into some areas that you might not other places just because it's like one difference is that most of the times when I'm speaking at a conference, I am primarily speaking to people who are developers and are in that role as a developer, as opposed to say a supervisor or a C-level executive at a company. I'm primarily speaking to people who are, you know, uh, doing the grunt work, so to speak. And uh, there, I was talking to those people, but I was also talking to the people who founded the company, you know, CTO, CEO, COO, all that, whatever, all those O's um, and C's and the OC. And I it gives you an opportunity to sort of maybe emphasize some things a little differently and maybe expand on a little thing, some things that, because you think that they're going to make, it's going to, you have an opportunity to make a little bit more impact. And those in that at that time, and so that's a uh, and also to make fun of like you know make fun of the CEO like in front of all the employees. So that's a good one. It gives you a chance to bring you know take him down a notch. That's Ed's power move at all times to call out uh, authority figures <laughs> during his talks. It's a very common thing. Yep, yep, classy move, classy move. Because you like you've already given the talk, and you know the the check's cleared, so you might as well end on a high note. Actually, I don't think I've gotten that check yet. Oh, <laughs> yeah, rookie mistake. They did make the they did make a <laughs> donation, so I did get that. But then, yeah, no, I I I sort of, I actually kind of did like I said. Uh, I assume they're going to pay for this, you know. So I booked the booked the flight and stuff like that. And but you know, I guess I don't know. I don't I don't have I don't have really a process down yet because I've only done this then twice. And so the first time it was this just like two weeks ago, I went to Pittsburgh. And then uh, it was a week later that I spoke at a company that's here in town um, uh, that uh, they do like um, uh, basically copy protection and uh and to uh and and like keeping technology to keep software from being modified uh yeah, they I must think, have a lot of mental health issues there yeah right exactly um anyway and i had a good talk there and uh the folks uh called in from uh like on go to meeting and and listened from San Francisco and joke like that. So, and that was good to have the, they had, we had the CTO on the line there from San Francisco and talked to it. So it was, it was a good, it was a good thing. So that one I did as a free because, uh, you know, they're right in town and I'm friends with one of the guys who's a manager there. So, and you hate uh, money. So yeah, yeah, no, I'm just doing this to save lives, brother. Right. I'm saving careers. Anyway, let's, uh, let's keep going. You're saving lives. I'm saving careers. <laughs> that's very good. Uh, anyway, so, so I've been doing that and I think that's been a good, it's been a good experience. I think that, um, you know, it's a little bit, it's a little bit, uh, you're not quite as sure what to expect. Like I've done a lot of conferences. I pretty much know what to expect with that stuff. Um, 
with companies, it could be kind of anything. It could be like, well, where are they going to put you up? Where are you going to talk? Who are you going to talk to? You know, uh, are they going to have a screen set up like a projector or not? You know, and like what, you know, so it's, it, that's kind of a deal. Um, but I think it's still an opportunity. And I think the, the flip side of it is that I think it's an opportunity though, to have a really, a direct impact on an organization uh, and really a positive impact. And I think that's really cool. And probably more so than you would just get at a conference. Um, you know, I get to go in and say, this is about the culture that you guys have here and what difference you can make in the lives of the people who are sitting right next to you right now. And, uh, and I think that's really cool and a cool, cool opportunity. So, so, so far it's worked out pretty well. So that's been, that's been interesting. So the moral of all this is if you have a company and you're, uh, and you like Ed's message, get yep. them to come on over and talk some more and expand on things. And yep. you will, uh, uh, especially like uh, your promotion of the, um, the um, mental health. For, no, it's not called mental health first aid. I always forget it what is. that thing is. Called. Is that what it's called? Oh, so I did yeah. have it right. I thought, I, job, I, thought my, I thought my brain was uh, giving it the, uh, the wrong label. So uh, idea of, you know, getting basically the idea of getting people in your company uh, more aware of mental health issues and more importantly, how to, uh, how to, uh, uh, you know, uh, be supportive. Uh, I was going to say how to deal with that's the totally wrong label, how to be more supportive. You fucking uh, deal with are, it. That's right. Uh, dude's crazy. We just leave him in his cubicle. <laughs> in the row. Uh, so don't me, talk to him when he's working. That's, that's, that's why I work from home. Um, because people are told not to deal with me. Uh, so that segues nicely. Into I wonder why. Yeah, you wonder. I don't, I don't know what you mean, Liz. I'm like, a, I'm just a model employee. Uh, <laughs> to give you the type of stuff that I did in our, we had a QA meeting at work today. I'm going to talk about my work experiences in a minute. Um, where one of the, uh, our, my manager was saying he was feeling sick and under the weather. So I just happened to have a, uh, like a dust filter, a dust filter mask, um, over in my workshop in the basement. Cause when I cleaned out the garage in the fall, it was super dusty and I didn't want to choke on all the dust. So I quickly went and got my mask. So whenever he talked, I put the mask on so I wouldn't get sick over the internet. So that's, a, that's the type of model, <laughs> model employee that I am. Uh, so yeah, so the last thing we wanted to talk about was my, uh, my fun experience losing a passport in Florida. Uh, yes, uh, like Don Knotts down there, buddy. Yeah, that's right. That's, that's right. <laughs> Shit. Nice, isn't Don Knotts like basically half my height and like uh, a quarter of my body weight? Yeah, there's really not. There's nothing about you that says Don or Knotts. Yes. Uh, so yeah. So last week I was. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. No one gets that. Uh, old people. Yeah, I said old people that yeah. believe that three's company instead of three's a crowd. And um, <laughs> that's right. We just have. We need a moment of silence for uh, for for the male character on that show, John Ritter. John Ritter. I mean, the actor is John Ritter. Oh, I love call, him. He's going to call him Jack Ritter, but that's not actually his name. Good job. John Ritter just dropped dead of a heart attack on the set of a show. Anyway, I didn't know this, but the the girl who's the who's in uh, the Big Bang Theory was in that show too with John Ritter. The Oh, 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 the eight yeah, things about eight dating things my about teacher. My, yeah, the billion and one things about dating my daughter. Yeah, I didn't Is know that, that she was in that show. Did you write that? What? That did, show. Like, no, I didn't write that Based on show. your life? No, on, on, no, 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 just about the rules. <laughs> I didn't know what you were talking about, Ed. 
<laughs> don't worry. As my daughter says to me, don't worry. I don't have any daddy issues. I'm thinking, oh, I'm, I bet you have a whole bunch of them oh. that you're never going to tell me about. So, uh, yeah. Uh, so yeah. So I was last week. I was down in uh, sunny Orlando, Florida, where I managed to lose leave my passport on the plane on the flight there uh, for. Uh, uh, what they call a all hands work week, where basically everyone who works for Mozilla, and uh, interestingly enough, a very large number of contributors uh, to the project uh, who don't work actually work for the company, uh, to all meet in one place and get together, and you get to see people um, that you know perhaps you've been working with a long time but have never met, and then there's an opportunity to like. Go see talks given by uh, people within the company about stuff that Mozilla is working on. There's a really big opening talk where they had um, like an acapella group where the volume was way too goddamn loud. And uh, and just the CEO came up and was just kind of talked about everything that happened since the last meeting. The last meeting that they did was in Whistler, BC in Canada. Um, and then the next one uh, is in uh, London, England. In June, so I will be going to that. So it'll be nice to go. I haven't. I, last time I was in London was when I was seventeen, so that's like a bazillion years ago. Uh, so it'll be nice to go and and see that. So it, it's. I had only been working for Mozilla for two weeks, right? Almost three weeks now, but uh, and it was very very strange um, to be there. Imagine like a. It's like going to like a a really huge uh, tech conference. So there was like. 1600 people there like 1200 mozilla employees and like 450 friends and family because of course it was disney so the deal was you could bring your family you would have to pay for them to fly down but they would um go uh you know they would hook you up with a room and everything um so uh it was very very interesting uh it felt like going to like a humongous conference like by yourself where you didn't know anybody. Now I do know a, a few, you know, a handful of folks that work for Mozilla, but it was very, very strange. Uh, and this feel this weird energy because you know everybody who was there is like working on something and they're, and they're deep into it and and they're talking about all these projects and all the things that they're doing and everyone's constantly talking about um, what they've been doing work wise. And I'm like. I feel like a total outsider. It was very, very strange because, you know, my projects and everything, my involvement just hasn't, you know, ramped up to 100% yet because I'm still kind of learning everything. So uh, it was very interesting, uh, mainly because Mozilla is just this weird hybrid thing because it's, uh, you know, you have the Mozilla Corporation, which is wholly owned by the Mozilla Foundation. Um, and so, you know, it's, a nonprofit entity that has a lot of money and has a lot of resources. And, uh, um, you know, it's interesting watching how, how many folks there are really into the mission. And I talked about this a bit on Twitter last week. Like, have you ever worked at a place, you know, that had some kind of mealy mouthed mission that was just really about how greedy that if you, if you translate, it's like really about how greedy they are and how much money they want to make. But Mozilla really has this mission about, you know, that, their intent is to keep as many critical pieces and tools that people use on the internet open and available to the maximum number of people. And there are a very, very large percentage of those 1,200 folks who have 100% bought in um, to that message. Uh huh. <laughs> Thanks, Ed. <laughs> and you were there and you were like, I'm here for the money, y'all. No, 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 because I can always make money elsewhere. That's not the, uh, 
not, not the thing for me. It's just uh, hearing people talk and, and in meetings with people and, and seeing stuff. Um, it confirmed for me that um, picking Mozilla as uh, a company to uh, hitch at least my next year with them because I'm working as a contractor committed for a year. So at least a year uh, is a good decision because uh, I'm a big believer in open web stuff. Witness my arguing with people about Slack versus IRC. And, uh, mm-hmm. um, you know, and there's also this weird thing where like almost everything you're doing, except for like uh, pre-release or like really deep research stuff is all done out in the open. The, you know, the tools I'm working with, you can download them off of GitHub, the main project that I'm doing QA work for. Again, it's a completely open project. Um, the repos up on GitHub, they accept contributions from outside Mozilla to it. It's a very, very different environment where you are, as people keep calling it, you are working in the open. Like, um, you know, Bugzilla to report bugs, right? Mm-hmm. Open, ac- open access. A lot, of our, uh, a lot of our stuff for like showing tests that are running and stuff. A lot of that is relatively open access so people can see what's going on. It's, it's working in the open. It's a, it's a very weird feeling. And, and um, I know I was, I was talking about stuff with my manager today and, um, you know, I got the okay from him to like actually sit down and I, I'm, you know, uh, it, it's, you know, perfectly acceptable for me to like, you know, blog once a week about all the stuff I've been working on at Mozilla and talk about all the tools and all the people and all that stuff. And that's, uh, um, cause you know, I was looking for something to get back into blogging a little bit and it's just such a, such a weird thing about working in the open, you know, like literally in the open, everything that you're doing is being checked in to places where people other than your coworkers can see them if they want. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think that, yeah, it's pretty different. I, I'll, I have to admit I'm, I've, there's a hint, a hint. Um, there, I'm a little bit jealous because I, for a long time really wanted to work at Mozilla and, uh, I had one initial interview that went horribly and it never went anywhere. Uh, but, um, I, you know, and I guess I figure if it was something I really wanted to pursue again, I could probably get back on that, that boat. But, uh, um, it, it, there's a different feeling when you're working someplace and the, and the final intent, like the underlying reason you do stuff is not necessarily to make money. Like you have to have money to sustain things, but it, that really isn't like the, the, the purpose. Right. And that's different. And then also that idea of, of, like you said, working in the open with everything is pretty, it's pretty different, even different than, um, you know, a lot of the say work that I did when I was at the university. I mean, some of it was open sourced, but realistically very few people were interacting with it. Uh, or actively looking at what we were doing, uh, or a lot of it was certainly not developed in the open, right? Um, so that's pretty different, and I think that's that's really cool. I mean, in some ways, that's like, well, that seems like the perfect situation, right? And of course, you know, every place is it, there's no perfect situation. There's always stuff that likable or not likable about it, an organization or what have you. But it certainly has a lot of appeal. Um, I've, I still use, I use Firefox every day. And the reason I use Firefox is because I think that their motivations are different than the other browser makers. And I sort of trust them more. I would like to see Mozilla succeed. And, uh, I don't really give a rat's ass if like Google or, you know, 
Microsoft succeed. That's not a big deal to me. That's not, I don't think it's going to make a huge difference, but uh, Mozilla being around and succeeding in their mission uh, is, I think, a significant and important thing. And I, I'm, uh, I think it's really cool that you're working there. And uh, I think it's really interesting to hear what you have to say about it. Uh, yeah. You know, also the, the neat thing about Mozilla as well is kind of like the, the challenges that they face in, you know, creating the browser and all the infrastructure that are around it. I mean, you know, we get to deal with a level of scale and, and complexity that so few places, uh, you know, even approach that. So it's, uh, you know, as I, as I make more and more contacts within the, within the company, uh, and I slowly, my mind starts shifting over from referring to Mozilla as they to referring to Mozilla as we, as I get more and more a part of it. Um, you know, it's, it's complex. There's a lot of moving parts. Um, and in, in many ways, you look at it, and it's like sometimes it's shocking that, uh, given the, given the state of software, sometimes it's shocking that some of this stuff even works. You know, um, mm-hmm. uh, and it was kind of nice to so um, so soon into my time there, getting to go to one of these meetings and hearing, you know, they had the the CEO talk uh, on the opening day, and on the last day they had someone else talk. The the first day was kind of like just kind of like the state of Mozilla, talking about what had been going on since the last time everybody was together, and you know we talked about uh, the the person talked about kind of Mozilla's financial position and the desire to like figure out. Um, to you know, m- reduce Mozilla's reliance on revenue that's based from um, search results because that's a very common, uh, a big big chunk of of Mozilla's income. Obviously, is you know the deals that they cut to have uh, to have you know um, the, when you search through stuff on on Firefox, if you don't change the default search engines and stuff, Mozilla gets a tiny cut of every search, like the referral stuff and right. parts of the ad revenue and stuff. So they're busy, you know. Uh, trying to figure out how are some ways that we can, you know, uh, replace some of the revenue streams from the advertising stuff with, with, uh, you know, with paid offerings that kind of make sense um, with, uh, with Mozilla's overall mission of, I mean, uh, they talked about a few things. I don't think I can really talk about any of them, but it was just kind of interesting to watch the, you know, people at the company talk about the struggles to kind of figure out how to, how to switch things around. And, and, and Mozilla, uh, does set pretty uh, pretty lofty goals, and they and they push uh, they push extremely hard. And I, I I did notice both during the first day and on the last day, um, there was no fear about talking about things that didn't work. Mm-hmm. Uh, they were more than happy to like, you know, you know, back in quarter whatever we decided we wanted to do this and it didn't work or we did this and it was a disaster. And let's talk about why it didn't work. And again, that's kind of a level of introspection. Um, that you don't see from a lot of companies anyway. Uh, I mean, a lot of companies are, are very adverse to admitting failure, and they may, they may, they may even be afraid to speak about it um, frankly and honestly. Uh, you know, in in private surroundings. You know, and whereas Mozilla is right out there, and and all their failures are for the most part, uh, you know, available for the public to see when when stuff doesn't when stuff doesn't work out the way that they expected. I know the biggest announcement to come out of uh, out of uh, Moslando, as they called this meeting, was that um, you know. Uh, Mozilla is no longer going to be pushing to help uh, get um, the Firefox operating system onto phones. They're not doing any more deals with um, with carriers, so there'll be no more no more Firefox uh, OS powered phones mm-hmm. um, out there. And uh, instead, they're kind of pivoting and they're going to be putting their efforts towards uh, uh, 
what I call the, the, um, the internet of shit, but what they're calling, um, you know, the connected internet, you know, uh-huh. the, the internet of, of things, um, you know, so like, you know, they're constantly refocusing and examining and they're pretty ruthless. I mean, the idea that they're just going to kill something that was, uh, a major part of their strategy. It's, uh, it's actually quite refreshing to see them willing to just say, yeah, this didn't work. Um, we're going to go try something else. And then I saw, um, you know, on the, you know, uh, on the topic of kind of the, the connected internet, uh, a small little research group, uh, demoed a really cool project where the idea that they're, they're, um, they're kind of, they're coming up with a plugin for Firefox that lets, like a individual fire, you know, individual fire program running in Firefox to act like an app server. So the idea is like, you know, you could go to a hotel and instead of, um, instead of like downloading an app to like mm-hmm. control all the devices in the room, you could have just uh, a, uh, an, um, you know, a device even pushing stuff out via Bluetooth or something else that acts like a little app and you could just connect to it in your browser and you boom, you have an app on your phone. The demo that they, the demo that they show was they whipped together um, a multiplayer game using the unity 3d engine Uh and, uh, and they demoed it. They had the main server running on someone's laptop and the two other team members um, came up and they used their phones uh, which were running copies of um, Firefox, one on iOS and one on another one. And they're able to join the game. And when they joined the game, it downloaded the app uh, in, you know, a web app to their phone. That was a little controller and they drove a car against each other and raced around a track um, mm-hmm. in, a, in 3d graphics on the game. This thing's called Flyweb. Um, when you do the notes, I'll track down the link for you to it. It's like an experimental project and they have a few things available, but just this idea of they're, they're constantly pushing things and they're saying, you know, how can, how can Mozilla with its technology and all those resources, um, you know, uh, help keep the web open, reduce the reliance on apps and stuff like that. It was a really, really cool demo of, uh, you know, this thing, yeah, called Flyweb, where it's like, I was just, I was like, you mean you can just with a browser connect to an app? You don't have to download the app. The thing's right there on your phone. You don't have to worry about because if you travel or even for plane you should know this ed if you travel with multiple airlines mm-hmm. you end up having multiple apps on your phone you yep. know like i have on my phone right now i have one for united and one for delta and one for air canada and you know the future that that this flyweb project is is trying to get going is like so no no no. you'll just need a web browser it's all you're going to need yeah and then, you know they're going to try to create a standard it was really neat watching this plug-in an add-on for mozilla basically download all the stuff that you needed embed it into a web page uh so you could drive a car uh, in a 3D uh, racing game with somebody. Hmm. It was very, very cool. So you work for a game company now? Uh, hey, they're, they're doing a big push uh, into gaming stuff. Uh, they've added a lot of support into uh, Firefox and the newer releases, hooks for a lot of gaming stuff. So I anticipate probably 2016 they talked about really ramping up um, and providing tools for developers to build games that run well inside Firefox. So very, very cool. Yeah. Could be some very interesting stuff coming. It's always, I always love seeing those experimental um, projects and seeing what people are coming up with. Cause you kind of never know what the final um, outcome is when people start playing around with stuff like that. The final outcome. Is Liz, is Liz still here? Cause she hasn't said anything. Oh wait. I'm heard, still here. Oh, I heard her giggle. I'm just listening. Yeah. <laughs> yes. I use, I use Firefox, but I also use Chrome. So I don't know what that makes me, but. 
it makes you smart. I mean, why do people tell me like I tell people I work for Mozilla? Oh, oh, I don't use I don't use Firefox. I'm like, okay. <laughs> so, so I'm thinking I get paid whether you use it or not. So I, I mean, I really don't care. Um, you know what my favorite plugin is? It's uh, really the reason that I use Firefox. Is called Colored Tabs. So you can color code the tabs that go together. A lot of times I'm like tab switching back and forth all day. So it's like I can lump like things together. It's pretty nice. awesome. You should nice. check it out. I'm yeah, not a, I love it. It's my favorite plug. I'm not a big uh uh I'm I'm not a big uh, uh tabs person. I don't have lots of long running tabs on my uh, browser. I just I just don't like it. I find it unnatural. Uh, I just don't like it. Uh, <laughs> it's not the way man was meant to be. <laughs> That's right. It's not the way humanity was meant to be crowded, multiple tabs on a browser. We're not savages. A new, <laughs> a new window for everybody is uh, my motto. Um, yeah, it's just kind what? Of, yeah, I know. I know. Cray cray. I know. You put everything in its own window? Uh, sometimes, yeah. How many fucking windows you got, wow. buddy? That's kind of fascinating. Hey, hey, no window shaming you two, all right? Mm. No, it's interesting. I never heard of anyone doing that before. Yeah, I mean, uh, just tabs sometimes, sometimes windows if I want to like move it onto another. Like I, I find what I do oftentimes is I work off uh, I work off of multiple, I don't know, are they spaces or something? I don't know what the hell you call them on Mac these days, but yeah. multiple desktops, yeah. I don't know, whatever, whatever yeah, Apple chooses spaces. to call them. Uh, is that because some are incognito? Uh, no, oh, yeah. Maybe. And so, but, but often sometimes, but <laughs> okay, often, well, that makes sense. But often sometimes too, like, uh, I, I put like all my social media stuff is on one desktop and, you know, my term and, and uh, chat is on a different one. So I find myself oftentimes having to work with things. I just detach windows and drag them over to the uh, particular, um, uh, you know, a desktop that I need to work with. So I find myself, I do that a lot. I mean, I don't know. I don't know. Maybe other people do it. Like right now, I have this chat thing. Um, detached all by itself. The, my main Firefox mm. Firefox instance is on, on another screen, and then I have our little pirate pad that we have all our notes in is up on is next to it, but in a separate window. Yeah, I mean, it's I guess it's just I guess it's just what you get used to. Just what you get used to, man. You can get used to anything. So, so before, <laughs> yeah. So one of the other interesting things that come out of the or, Orlando uh, stuff was. Um, Firefox Mozilla itself is trying to uh, kind of re-architect the browser a little bit, and they're trying to move things out of trying to make uh, the core of Firefox a lot smaller and have more and more things get uh, imported as add-ons instead. So the idea is that um, it makes uh, it means that like kind of our Mozilla uses like a um, a release train method, you know, uh, every X number of weeks a release comes out and all your stuff has to be on the train for it to make it, you know, from, from the nightly to, uh, to Aurora, which is the experimental one to beta. And then finally up into production, the, the, you know, release version. So they're trying to just kind of rejiggle things so that security updates are easier to do. And, and, um, part of that interesting thing was they demoed this thing called idea town, uh, where the idea that people will be able to do kind of experimental plugins for Firefox. And so they demoed some uh, interesting, interesting stuff. Uh, I wish I could talk about it. I'll probably talk about it when we're not recording because I'm not sure. I'm not sure if that falls because I was asked, I've been asking because being a Twitter performance artist, I have asked, what am I allowed to talk about um, related to Mozilla and the okay. stuff and the stuff that I see? What am I allowed to talk about on on? on social media. And so basically I've been told anything that's not in pre-release 
um, I can talk about. So this, okay. I'll talk to you two about this really cool thing that they demoed that I think that two of you would probably actually be interested in. Um, but we'll talk about it when we're doing the, when we're no longer broadcasting. So guys, I'm going to tell colorful? you on Twitter in about 20 minutes. <laughs> <laughs> no problem. I got your back guys. <laughs> That's right. Don't worry. Um, hey, Hey, Chris, I'm curious. Can I ask a question about that meeting? Sure. Do you guys come together? Do you actually try to like ship anything or is it just uh, mostly like talks and hanging out and social bonding with people you don't get to see very often? It's, it's mostly the, like the talks and hanging out. I mean, because they know so many people are going to be in one place. Uh, they did mm-hmm. actually, they did actually ship a feature. Oh, what the heck is it that they turned on? Uh, oh yeah, it was, Oh yeah. Cause this I can actually talk about. So when we were there on the okay. first, everything's done in the open. <laughs> No, no, I was just trying to remember the thing that, because they actually launched something publicly while they were up on stage, and I was trying to remember what it was. And it was that uh, Mozilla has created a content blocker for iOS and Android. I think you can, uh, and they launched the iOS version. It's called Focus. Oh, yeah, I just just installed that. Yeah. Because I wasn't listening to you, so... Yeah. So (laughs) whatever. Uh, So yeah, so they they actually did launch that. Um, publicly they're like it's been approved so they had the they brought the team up who worked on it and everybody who was up there talked about their contribution and then the ceo was like well since everybody's here and then the person who's like the head of their kind of firefox development stuff was like well we're all here why don't we just launch it so the guy's like what and i'm like yeah let's just do it so they you know person logged in used their credentials logged into like the apple thing where you make it available press the button and boom it was launched so um mainly those things are for um for meetings uh, and get okay. togethers. Uh, I think often what happens is that discussions happen in person because again, with Mozilla being like super distributed, um, mm-hmm. there are certain types of discussions that are harder to do when everyone's distributed. So I think what uh, the pattern seems to, to me seems to be a group gets together to discuss, to flesh out something they've been talking about for maybe several weeks, maybe several months leading up to the all hands meeting. And then the next all hands meeting they have an announcement basically like, yeah, I remember the scene. Like, for example, I heard many, many times, remember at Whistler, we talked about we were going to do X, Y, Z. Well, we did it. And then they show what they did. So, um, so they kind of use those as opportunities for uh, a lot of uh, high level strategy and just hashing out ideas that teams have. For me, it was basically, I spent my time uh, meeting my team members. I did do some work, attended a bunch of like smaller, more informal talks to kind of get an idea of some of the different technologies people were using. And, uh, you know, uh, if you watch my, if you, you know, if you watch my feed on Twitter, um, you know, you'll see, I'll start retweeting some interesting stuff that I see coming out of Firefox. Like today, they just talked about the hooks that they've, they've put in uh, to allow people to do um, virtual reality stuff a lot easier inside Firefox. And they're always like sneaking neat little JavaScript libraries and stuff that, that will ship and are actually part of the browser um, so you can start doing interesting things. I mean, all the other uh, browser vendors do the same sort of things. They add JavaScript stuff that's just available natively. Uh, when you use the browser. So, um, so a lot of strategizing people are doing work. I mean, I did do some work when I was there. Um, but for the most part, they are about getting together and, and celebrating all the wonderfulness that the, that is the cult of Mozilla. Nice. Celebrate. Yep. Whistler's pretty Monica. cool. Have you been out there? I have not been to Whistler. No, I have not. It's worth the trip. I have been to Vancouver a couple of times. I like it out there, uh, but uh, never hopped in the car and drove on the uh, uh, Sky to Sea highway and went all the way up to Whistler. 
Whistler. Yeah, we were in a in a bus. Well, it was like a shuttle bus. That was a little disconcerting. I was I was not comfortable. You're disconcerting. <laughs> <laughs> Why? Because you had some tech bro like putting his arm around you or something on the bus. Like, what do you mean? It was no, because it's this huge ass vehicle on that tiny shit road where it's like mountain. You're gonna just drive off the cliff any second. No, no, no. They fixed all. But that. I was not very confident in his skills yeah. as a as a driver. Tbh. How long, how long ago we was that? We made it alive. How long ago was that? Uh, so, oh, not too long. GitHub had a um, our All Hands Summit in Whistler last year, okay. 2014. So, yeah. Because I, I know they, I mean, if you think that road, highway was bad now, it just seemed was like before the Olympics when they like, they pumped like multi-millions of dollars to upgrade that, uh, upgrade that <sighs> yeah, highway. So, so it was less murderific, but it sounds like it still has a nice. I would have been in the fetal nice, position the whole time. Nice tinge of murder to it still, it sounds like. Murder tinge. Yeah. Murder. I felt so, but you know, whatever. Um, so yes. So the too long don't care summary of my time at Mozilla is that everything's out in the open and it's very, very weird. Did you guys uh, like get in a group and beat up a guy in a mouse costume? Uh, <laughs> no, actually, you know, here's the, here's the really pathetic thing. So I was so stressed out about losing my passport mm-hmm. um, that I couldn't summon up the sufficient will to venture into on, on free passes, no less venture into the magic kingdom. Uh, oh man, that's a bummer, but I understand. And, and yeah. into Epcot. Cause like I was going to have to go by myself and I'm like, okay, so I'm going to be standing in the single uh, rider lane. Yep. Uh, uh, with a creepy uh, uh, a Mickey mouse ears cap. Yep. Oh, oh, yes. Oh, yeah. Yeah, there's going to be no security shadowing me throughout the entire park. Yeah, right. So, like, cause, <laughs> that would have been so great. Oh, my God. Why didn't you do that? Cause, Damn it. Because I felt, like, completely weirded out at the idea of, <laughs> of a 44-year-old man riding on the rides by themselves, <laughs> by choice. <laughs> Disney. It's the hat. That, that's the thing. That's what I want to see. Is that? Yeah. Um, There's a uh, middle-aged man, six foot five. Gotta be pushing three hundred. <laughs> He's wearing an elephant shirt and. Uh, so, but he's sitting by himself in the. Uh, Space cafe, uh, and we can only and we can only see one of his hands. <laughs> he's right, he's on the teacups again. <laughs> so uh, you know, you talk about joking about elephant t-shirts. So I did wear. So I wore the uh, open. I, I wore the uh, the OSMI um, shirt, and yep. I actually got lots of questions. So I directed people to your to your wonderful um, blog. Uh, posts about that Why? stuff, yeah. and I wore my um, I wore my respected double claw shirt, and I had lots nice. of people ask me about what's up with that, and I was like, eighteen years of working with PHP, and of course, you know what most people said, mm. I'm so sorry. That's <laughs> what people said. <laughs> yeah, yeah, right. I'm like, I don't know. I said, pays all my bills and got me here, so I can't uh, can't complain about it too much. Uh, so we've been yammering for like uh, hour and a half now. Anything else you want to cover? Oh yeah, how I lost my passport and that whole thing. So basically, how I'm a dummy you? and I left yeah. it in the seat pocket in front of me because I have uh-huh. this ritual, you know, to oddly enough design so I don't forget anything. So uh-huh. when I get onto the plane, <laughs> so get on the plane, you have to show your ID and, and your uh, ID and your boarding pass. And uh, 
oddly enough, when I got on the plane actually to fly back to the to Canada, uh, when that when I when they scanned my boarding pass because it was on my phone when I was leaving, and yeah. all I had was my Nexus card, which is that awesome program for the uh, frequent U.S. Canada travelers. Um, the person who was like checking all things was busy yakking to somebody at the phone. So when my boarding pass just lit up and went green, they just literally like waved me onto the plane. And I didn't have to show the Nexus card. I was like so disappointed. I was looking forward to like having an argument with them about why this is <laughs> documentation to let me on the right. plane. And like in the right. end, it was just like, yeah, just get on the damn plane. Um, so yeah, so my, hey, rich- uh, so when did, when did you realize that you didn't have it? Uh, when I checked in at the hotel, cause like, okay. you know, cause you know, they ask for ID or whatever. And normally I just show them my password and I'm looking in my bag. I'm like, I don't have my password. And I'm like, holy fuck, I left it in the front pocket. Uh, cause what I do is I go to my seat, got my ID and stuff in my hand, right? So I got my passport and my boarding pass, boarding passes inside the passport. I go find my seat. I put my, put my bag, put one of my bags. Cause I always have two carry on. So one of the bags goes on the seat. I stick my passport into the, uh, into the, the vomit seat pocket thing in front of me. Then I put all my stuff into the overhead. Then I sit down and I take my passport out and I put it in my pocket. Well, I got distracted by talking to the ginormous six foot eight guy who's sitting next to me in the exit row. And I forgot to take my, uh, forgot to take my passport out of the uh, front seat pocket. And so that was a very awkward conversation with my wife when I told her what had happened. Yes. It was a past rehashing in that pocket. It was a, it was a past rehashing of pretty much all my flaws as a human being when I was yeah, discussing that. That. <laughs> discussing my lost passport with yeah. her. God bless her. And she that was, was probably a long conversation. And, oh, yep. that's not nice. <laughs> wow. You think you know somebody and just that dagger. Just, just right I between know. right between two ribs on the right side. I felt it. Believe me, she knows how to put a husband in her place in his place. <laughs> oh, I can I'll shank you. <laughs> so on that wonderful note, I think we've reached the end and, and, I, and I will share some more stuff with uh, Liz and Ed that Ed will promptly uh, retweet via, via one of his various uh, uh, PHP parody accounts that he controls. Um, Bazil's making a game console. <laughs> that's right. <laughs> it's called if the it fire. Has colorful tabs. I'll it's, buy that. It's, it's yeah. called, it's called the Firefox Saturn. Um <laughs> I also learned that Fennec <laughs> is what they call the browser on Android. And I'm like, why Fennec? Mm. And I'm, I'm thinking, I'm thinking, is someone mispronouncing the name of, that on, of Andre the Giant's character from The Princess oh, yeah. Bride? Right. But, but no, <laughs> no, what it actually turned out was that a Fennec is like a breed of fox that's really, really small. And I thought you people are trying to be too clever. Oh, um, yeah, so nice. this, this, we should thank the sponsors. Yeah, this yeah. has been episode number 69. Woo! Of the Development Hill podcast with our very special guest, uh, Liz Naramore. Liz, uh, oh, sorry, Liz Naramore Baron. I'm sorry, we forgot about Rubyist. Yeah, I still haven't Baron. made that change yet. I- Baron. Don't do it. Don't do it. Baron. Oh, keep, keep your it's name. It's a pain Liz. in the ass, let me tell you. I always yeah. know you as Liz Naramore forever and ever. So, Liz, thanks so much for coming on the show. Uh, we, we, oh, you're welcome. Thanks we, for having me, you guys. We, we appreciate awesome. you uh, turning off your stupid fucking auto reply thing for a minute to get back to us about appearing on <laughs> the podcast. She'll see it. Like we email, oh my God. E- email her and she has her auto reply. And I was like, yeah, that's it. She's going on the, I tell Ed, I just do a screenshot on my phone. I was so mad. I took, <laughs> yep. a, picture my, I took a picture of my phone and sent it to Ed. I'm like, that's it. She's on the band. It is the best auto reply. I'm pretty proud of that auto reply message. Oh, I'm happy, happy fun and blah, 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 Xbox and blah, 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 blah. It's like, shut the fuck up. <laughs> <laughs> Elizabeth at github.com. If you email me right now, you will get an awesome auto reply. 
Well, I'm just going to go over to this other incognito window that I have, and I'm signing you up for something. <laughs> <laughs> well, now it's probably, by the time this post is going to be like March, right? So it probably won't be on there. Yeah, that's a good point. I, I feel the burn right that now. One in. That went yep. through the, your ribs on the left side. That's <sighs> right. right. Well, I right, love you guys. Right near where your heart oh. normally is. Yeah, no, for you. anyone who's listening live, go, go email me, and you'll have an awesome link that will make you happy. That's all. Yeah. Go ahead. Finish. Just... <laughs> Do what I did. Report as spam. It's it's the best way to do it. Uh, so Ed, you want to thank, thank our sponsors, please, Ed. Yes, let us thank um, still supporting dogs. Rove.com. masters of uh, kennels and PHP, and then uh, uh, Wonder Network. Uh, we fixed the name. I guess because it's not what I thought. I thought it was. Uh, yeah, would you have Windows Network? I don't think it that's was, right. That's not, no, it turns out we was were wrong it? about that. Uh, it's Wonder Network and not Windows Network. Yeah. And uh, they're uh, fine purveyors of uh, testing software for websites and web presences all around the world. Ta da! Yep. Yep, that's it. That's what I got. Mm-hmm. <laughs> well, thank you for that resounding support for our <laughs> for our sponsors. Oh my god, I'm not going to drink during the podcast at the same time as Ed ever again. Uh, we'll coordinate. It. We'll coordinate it ahead of time. Uh, so yes, so this has been yet another exciting episode of the Bellman Hall podcast. Uh, you can find every single episode, including the ones that, uh, but not including the ones that Ed hasn't been bothered to edit yet, such as our awesome episode that we did with Samantha Quinones from AO Hell. Um, you can find everything up at devhell.info where Ed uh, always picks a really good title, picks a good graphic, and then he takes our show notes and he uh, uh, HTMLizes them up and, and everyone gets to enjoy um, the fruits of his labors. Uh, it, often people will listen to us via iTunes. If you do, please, please, please um, rate us so we know that there are actually more than just my mom listening to us on iTunes. Uh, <laughs> we do have a Twitter account. Uh, it's at dev underscore hell. I used to post to it, but I don't remember what the password is anymore, so it's only Ed that does it. You can find me on Twitter as Grumpy Programmer without the U. You can find Ed on Twitter as Fungatron with you. I know Liz is on Twitter. Do you you don't have to share your Twitter handle. You can if you want. Oh, I don't care. It's Elizabeth N. See, a lot of thought went into that one. And uh Yeah, right. So, so yeah, Elizabeth N. Uh yes, all joking aside, uh, both Ed and I have known Liz for a very long time and she's one of our favorite people to have on the show. And I'm very, very happy that we could get you to come on. We'll have to have you uh, uh if you ever do anything important ever again, we'll have to try to get you back on the show. <laughs> Ever. Yeah, I don't count on it. Yeah, well, all right. Well, you know, at least you can, you know, you can add this to your resume. Uh, you know, one-time guest on the Development Hell podcast. So, can I uh, thanks. This bullshit. Can I, do I have to? Can I just like come on and, and not yeah. really have anything to add? Yeah, yeah you can come on. You can come on. You can maybe you can maybe you can give some pointers on how to deal with a difficult wife. I think that would be very helpful. For, <laughs> very helpful for me at this point in my marriage. Um, so that's that's. It. I mean, we're we're gonna do Dev Hell after dark. We're gonna turn the recording off because I have some fun fun stuff to tell Liz and uh, and Ed about that none of you people are ever gonna get to hear. So good night, everybody. Good night, internet. Bye.